Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Called the spirit of the book, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 says this. It says that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And that's right across every area of life, really. The format or the, the externals of any relationship are important. You know, you have a wedding a year ago. Congratulations again to Kath and to Sebastian. A year ago, they went through the formal part of getting married. I, as a marriage celebrant, stood there and asked, do you, Sebastian, take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife, etc.?" And he said, I do. And I said, do you take him to be your husband? And she said, I do. And then a little bit later, I said, I now pronounce you husband and wife in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Those whom God has joined together, let no one ever divide. And they kissed and then I got them to kiss again uh, just because the camera people needed it. And then oh, and we went to the big celebration and the speeches and everything else. And that was a beautiful day, make no mistake. But the reality is that the wedding doesn't make a family and the wedding doesn't make a home. It's the spirit that Sebastian and that Kath have brought every day all the way through this past year and all that will happen in the years that lie ahead. That's what really makes a marriage. See, the letter or the externals sometimes can be empty, but the spirit with which you bring, the heart really is what makes the difference. It's absolutely true for the Christian life. So many people look and say, oh, that person's a Christian. Or look at those Christians did that. I always go, no, let me see what the spirit of those people was. Because I've met some pretty mean-spirited Christians in my time. I'm not saying they all are. I think the vast majority, almost all that I've met, the people that serve in hope, I just think are such amazing volunteer team. People that contribute their time and that serve people that are many times in a place of confusion or brokenness. And I look at that spirit with which they serve. And I go, what a fantastic thing. And it's the spirit with which they serve that really has the impact of lives. It's not the food we give them. It's not the advice. It's not the coaching we provide. It's not all of the, those things. It's the heart of people that are in it that really makes all the difference to someone's life. And so exactly the same, we've been talking about the spirit of the book. And you can go back, they're all still there on our YouTube channel, Metro Church WA. And so if you want to hear them again or you want to hear them for the first time, go back and follow them. But today I want to speak to you in this last one, for me at any rate, I want to speak to you on the subject of trust. Trust appears in the Bible over 160 times. Now I know that some of you are going to think you know what this message will look like. Well, let me just chuck you a curveball right at the start. Because 2 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20, Paul writes and says this, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. See, trust is not ever a one-way street. Trust is always a two-way thing. I don't know if you've thought about it, but not only does God tell you and I to trust Him, but He has already decided to trust us. If you are called and every believer is, then God has trusted you with a ministry. God has said, I'm going to give you this. Every Christian is a representative of Jesus. Not always a great one, certainly never a perfect one, 
but he has trusted us. Think about that a minute. Think about how the millions and millions of Christians all around the world, think of those people as they go about their daily life, carrying the trust of God who's in heaven, but carrying the trust of God to say, would you go and be my hands? Would you go and be my feet? Would you go and be my voice? Would you carry my heart to this broken world? And I believe that as long as the church simply carries that simple truth in their heart, so long as we carry that simple thing of, God, I just want to be like you would be in this situation. I don't think you can ever go too far wrong. It's not just that I trust Him, He trusts me. And that is because trust is the foundation of all relationships and the foundation of spiritual life. When trust goes, relationship always disappears. When trust goes, relationships always end up shattered and broken. If you replace trust with mistrust, and trust me, as a pastor, I have sat with so many people who go, that person, my, my spouse, they broke our vows. They did this thing, whatever it was. And now I, I can't trust them. And then they go through the journey. And, and I've sat with some of them and said, you know, they'll never be able to prove to you ever again that, they, that they'll never make a, another mistake. Trust is not something like that. Trust is the foundation of relationship. Anyway, I'll come to, don't get too sidetracked for a second. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, because I want to show you this in the very beginning of the Bible and in the very beginning of man's relationship with God. When I said that God trusts you, this is Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying this, of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. People say it was an apple tree. The Bible never calls it that ever. It's obviously not an apple tree. Some medieval painter put it up as an apple and everyone calls it an apple. He never called it that. It was a spiritual tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But it's not the tree of the knowledge about. That word there literally means to imbibe it. It means I know it through experience. And so God said, don't touch that tree because not only will you be bringing good into your life, you'll be bringing evil into your life. He said, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. You're going to lose something of what you have right now in your life if you eat of that tree. And so God could have put a fence around it, I guess. God could have said, let me just make sure you never violate this command. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24 that God put an angel with a flaming sword around about the tree of life. So why did not God, listen, why didn't God stop man making such a dumb mistake? Why didn't God say this? I love you. I want to have relationship with you. But you know, I'm not really sure. I think you might screw up. I think you could make a mistake. And so because of that, I'm going to make sure you can never again ever do anything that would violate my commands. And so I've got to build a tower around it. It'll be behind there and you'll never be able to touch it. Well, the only explanation I've ever come up with is this, is that God never created mankind to be robots or mere servants. He created us, the Bible says, in His image. And you know, I love my dog. Mostly. 
And, and I guess there's a slight level of fellowship. You know, when I whistle her this morning and she looks up and I said, come on. And out she goes out the back door because she knows I'm going to take her for a walk. But you know, I there and I talk away and she has no idea what I'm saying. Despite my wife's protestations that she understands. I know she does not. She hasn't got a clue. I've looked at her sometimes and I said, you are really thick as a brick. But you know, if I say it to her in that lovely tone, she wags her tail. Because she, she doesn't understand what I'm saying. Now I know I've just offended all the animal lovers. Stay with me anyway. What I'm saying is this. Why did God make you in His image? Not so that He could subjugate you and keep you down, but so that He could have fellowship and relationship with you. I can have relationship with my wife because we're of the same species. We're able to communicate. And Joe, I love the dog. Don't get me wrong. I love the dog. I protect the dog. Fill up the holes the dog digs. When she chews my shoes and my boots, I go up and I get them. Just go, what do you expect? She's a dog. But God made you in His image so He could have relationship or fellowship with you. And here's the deal, what I said before. Trust has to be given before it's proven. And so God had to give us the opportunity to disobey. God had to give us the opportunity to violate His commands because trust has to be given before it's proven. It's the same in human relationships. When Sebastian and Kath got married a year ago, they trusted one another when they made their vows. There's no proof. There's no way to prove it. But they enter into a covenant of trust when they get married. And so do all of us in any relationship. Some of us have been so hurt or so knocked around by people that we, our capacity to trust gets bruised. And so we're not very keen to trust anybody anymore. And some people sadly can even come to a church like this and they've got all their guards up. They don't want to kind of get hoodwinked yet again. They don't want anyone to take advantage of them. And But the, the problem with that is, Trust is the foundation of every relationship. See, if I can't trust you, I can't have relationship with you. And if you can't trust me, we can't have relationship. Trust has to be given before it's proven. And so God gives to Adam and Eve His trust. He leaves that tree there unguarded and He just says, I'm trusting you. Let's go on. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, obviously it wasn't just a snake because every snake I've ever seen never talked. He said to the woman, watch this, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So far, so good. That's completely accurate. He's quoting the word of God. He's saying, this is what the Bible says. This is what God has spoken to you. The woman said to the serpent, what she'd heard from Adam, what she'd heard from God. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So far, so good. So here's this person having an encounter with the devil. 
and the devil is so far so good. It's all going well and, and all truthful and accurate. But let's go on to verse 4 and watch how what gets attacked in this discussion that she has with Satan. Then the serpent said to the woman, you're not going to die. Now that just as a complete lie or the complete opposite of what God said probably wouldn't have got there. And so he adds something in and attacks the foundation of trust. Verse 5, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes are going to be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. What he's saying is this, you realise that the reason God doesn't want you to do it, He doesn't want you to become who you could be. He's trying to keep you down in a lower place. He knows that if you eat of that tree, you'll be like Him. You won't need Him anymore. And so the, the very words of the enemy aim at the foundation of trust. You can't trust God is what the serpent was saying. You can't trust God. Can I say to you, there's a lot of people nowadays that have decided that this book, well, you can't trust it. You can't trust the Word of God. And you know, all this Christian life stuff and all these behaviours and all these morals and all these convictions, well, you know, that's just God trying to prevent you being fully you. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I bought out all the rule books for the AFL, for the soccer, for the NRL for the V8 supercars. We bought out the scripts of West Wing. We bought out Garner's book of English usage. We bought out the, the conductor's score for Beethoven's Ninth. And we go, here's all these things where there are rules and you accept them. Matter of fact, you value them because they make the game or the concert or whatever you're watching, the movie, it makes it enjoyable. It would have zero enjoyment if it was a free-for-all but when it comes to life, we throw all the rules away. We say, we don't want your book, God, because we don't trust you. We think what you're after is to prevent us. We think what you're trying to do is to stop us becoming fully actualized. There you go. That's a lovely psychological term for you. We think, God, that you're saying all this stuff because basically you're an old fuddy-duddy, an old grump, who just simply wants to make us miserable. I don't know how many people I've met who go and say, you know, the Bible's full of do's and don'ts. I go, really? I said, have you ever read it? Because there's way more do's in here than there are don'ts. Or well, most people don't even know what the Ten Commandments are. They just know that they're there, that God, you know, he's got the Ten Commandments. Well, half of them are not about thou shalt not, they're about thou shalt. Amen. God is not trying to prevent your life from becoming something great. He's trying to protect your life. See, listen, when, this, when Adam and Eve listened to the enemy and violated the trust that they had up until that point had in God, their life never got better because they got self-actualized. Their life never got better because all of a sudden they were free. Amen. How many people here are old enough to remember the generation of free love? And we pretty well quickly discovered it wasn't free at all. It had a massive price. Hello? And the world's still paying the price for all that kind of so-called freedom. 
You know, when I walk my dog, it's got a leash on it. The reason I uh, put a leash on it is because where I walk, there's a lot of snakes. They just are. Every second day, I'll see another one somewhere. And so that leash is not there because I'm trying to go Lola, because that's her name. Her name was Lola. I didn't name her. Can you imagine Jeff? I don't name a dog Lola. I'm naming a dog Spike. But anyhow, another story. So I got her on the leash. Why? Because I know what she's like. She'll go up there and poke her nose into that bit of grass that's got a tail sticking out. And then I'm going to be taking Lola off to the vet and spending $5,000. Or... Conducting the funeral service. <laughs> Listen, when God says no to an area of life, it's to protect you, not to prevent you. You can trust Him. He's got your best interests at heart. He wanted Adam and Eve to stay in the garden where they could eat of the tree of life and live forever. That was His plan, that they would walk with Him, talk with Him, have fellowship with Him. They decided to not trust Him and they ended up with their the very first family, one son kills another one. Hello, when are we going to wake up to the fact that our way of doing life is not exactly producing the best outcomes? When are we going to wake up to the fact that man outside of God is not capable of producing, oh, oh I'm not, I don't want to get in a rant here, but it's just so, I, you read your paper and you go, how can there be this much brokenness when we are the most educated, technologically advanced, most blessed and, and, and provided for people ever on the planet, and yet, and yet family violence and stuff that's just nuts. Because we've said to God, we don't trust you. Trust is always based for a Christian on the nature of God as revealed in His Word. I trust God because of what He says. Psalm 119, verse 63. You are good and you do good. Now, I know someone's going to say, oh, no, Pastor, you don't know. Look, God did this to me and God did that. I've met people who said God did this. I go, well, maybe God didn't do that. Maybe it was just life. I've sat with enough people that were abused as children. And they said, why did God let that happen? And I go, there's evil in the world. I'm sorry for your pain. But don't blame God for what evil people do. Here's the second thing. Trust is a starting point, not a last resort. Trust is not, well, oh, well, done everything else. I guess we'll just have to trust God. You know, Christians talk like that, like somehow or other, poor old God. It's like, God, I've got this. You can just stay there, sit on the throne, have a nap. I'm pretty sure I got this. And then when everything still keeps going pear-shaped, we go, oh God. And then we're coming before the throne, God, and if you fix this, Lord, I promise you I will go to church every week and I'm going to double tithe. And Lord, I'll pray every day and I'm even going to read the books of the Bible I don't know anything about. I'm going to read them anyway and I'm going to be good to everybody. And we make trust the place of last resort. Follow along just quickly. Come on, just see if you can see the word I'm looking for here. Psalm 2 verse 12. Blessed are all those who put their trust in Him. 
Psalm 4 verse 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 5 verse 11, but let all those who rejoice put their trust in you. Psalm 6 verse 7, O Lord my God, in you do I put my trust. Psalm 9 verse 10, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. Did you pick it up? Because trust is not some kind of passive response. Trust is an active thing. I put my trust. This glass of water is not here because it just happened to be attached to a table. It's there because somebody put it there with intentionality and purpose. And can I say to you that when, uh, if you're going to live a life of trusting God, you've got to intentionally go, I put my trust in you. I choose, I put my trust in you. God, I'm going to put my trust in you. This thing never just happened. Trust has got a purpose. And you and I are called for His purpose and we can put our trust in Him. Here's the third thing about trust is that trust is active, not idle. Trust is not where I throw up my hands in the air and, and, and just kind of, you know, veg out and go, oh, well, I'll just wait. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong, be ever in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, why? Because we live in a world where there is a battle going on for the hearts and minds and the souls of men and women and for wholeness and for health and for good things to be happening. There's a battle going on. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Watch this. And having done all to stand. It doesn't say, well, you've tried, now stop. It says, and having done all, and the word stand there literally means stand ready to do it again. In other words, it's a posture of doing and readiness. Have you been believing God? Have a posture of readiness to do it again. Have you been giving or sowing in your life, blessing others? And you go, God, I'm in a bit of a battle financially. Well, then my advice to you is this. Get into the posture of do it again. Get ready in your life to continue because trust is not idle. It's active. It's not lying around waiting, hoping God will turn up. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 36 says this, but you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Don't you think this is so different? This is so different from the church thing I grew up with. Because I kind of grew up with, well, you know, give your heart to Jesus and then just pray that you're still a Christian before you die. We came to church. We never expected God to help us because He was the one who was giving us all the trouble. He was the one, every sickness they said, oh Lord, help us to endure this. You've, you know, you've seen fit to afflict thy servant. We prayed prayers like, oh God, I am a worm and no man. I'm just a bug and I'm amazed you haven't squashed me yet. I was taught to pray the prayer that goes like this, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. Pity my simplicity. Like poor old God up there going, he's a real dropkick. This guy, what a, he's as useful as an ashtray on a motorbike. But, oh, well, he's my kid, so, oh, well, God. 
Mad about it, you know. Chuck him, a, chuck him a crumb. And so I grew up with that kind of thing. And now I read the Bible like this. And I go, what a very different posture God asked me to have. He says, come on, put your trust. Come on, Jeff, put your trust to me. Come on, Jeff, get your trust and put it in me. Put it there. Hold it there, Jeff. Get your trust and put it in the right place. And then having done all, continue being active. And having done everything, I want you to have a posture of strength. I want you to have a posture of Ebba. I'm going to keep using that. That's a good name. I want to give you that kind of posture. So that's so different than the way I grew up living or seeing the lives of Christians around about me. You thank God for every bad thing that came their way. Not at all. Having done the will of God, stand. So let me just finish by giving you these three things because number one, I think these are the three you've got to put your trust in God for. I trust Him with my salvation. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, He never said, I'm just starting. He said, it's done. Everything I ever needed, it's finished. He said, it's finished. So I know that my salvation, oh, you know, all through Christmas, I'm going to be speaking on so great a salvation. And uh, you're going to love some of the parts of that and the, the, the unique kind of view of looking at it, but... You know, our salvation is so great. I thank God. I wrote it only this morning. Lord, thank you for keeping me. I thank God that I don't have to do all this on my own strength. I thank God that I don't have to be the shining example of what it means to be a glorious Christian and it's all up to my willpower. You have no idea if you are not a Christian. You have no idea about how much he helps, how much he's with you. How much just in so many little and great ways. It's just that he's there. You wake up with a song in your head. Or a verse comes to you that you read and you go, how do I even remember that? I can't remember where I put my keys. But I can remember this verse. And he just keeps on helping you all the time. I trust him with my salvation. Some of you here are wondering if you're going to make it. Why don't you decide today, I'm going to put my trust in him. Here's the second thing is I trust him with my future. I have no idea what it looks like and I've got lots of plans and dreams and lots of things that I think God wants us to do and, and all that. But you know what? I thank God I don't have to make it happen either. I thank God I can trust him with my future. Hebrews 13 verse 5 and verse 6 says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Here's the last one, third one. Team, please come. Is I trust Him with my present. I trust Him with my salvation. I trust Him with my future, but also trust Him with my present. He knows where I am. The Scripture says He knoweth the way that I take. Psalm 23, which was such a powerful thing to me when I went through a very serious medical condition years and years ago. And when I walked through that in Psalm 23, I reckon every day I chewed on it, I meditated on it, I thought about it so much. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord's not my judge. He's not my preacher. The Lord's my shepherd. He's the one who's looking after me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And it's such a beautiful thing. And then verse 4 kicks in out of nowhere. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Not because I'm that good, but because he said, I'm with you. For thou art with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Then verse 5 goes on, says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of all my enemies. While I'm in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, he's up there setting the table. Amen. While I'm down here in the valley of the shadow of death, that's an ugly, terrible place. There's fear perhaps could be around. And he's ahead of me going, look what I'm doing. I prepare a table before you in the presence of all of your enemies. I'm going to anoint your head with oil, Jeff. All that confusion, all those thoughts going all over the place. He said, that's not going to be, I'm going to anoint your head with oil. Your cup's going to run over. And this is what he declares about your future and mine. He says, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Not pain and sorrow, not brokenness and heartache. He says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank the Lord for His goodness. Amen. Come on, stand with me a minute. Just wherever you are. Some of you here in this place, I don't know you all. Lots of you I don't know, I'm sure. But maybe there. That same serpent that came to Adam and Eve has been talking to you. Telling you it's never going to get any better. Your peace has evaporated. And I want to pray today for people in this place. People whose peace has disappeared. You're worried about the future. You're worried about today. About the present. And I want you today, before I pray, I want you to say this. Jesus, I choose to trust you. I put my trust in you. Come on, everybody. I put my trust in you. I put my trust in you. This is not, I'm not waiting to see if you're good. I've already decided you are. I put my trust in you. I put it there and I'm going to keep it there. 160 times. Why so many? Because it's almost one for every two days because that's about how long we last before we need to do it again. I put my trust in you, Lord. I put my trust in you. Father, for every person in this place where peace has evaporated, where it's become a struggle in the mind or in the heart, where the enemy wants to just get us to step out of the place of your protection, telling us we'd be better off if we'd never begun walking with you. God, thank you for your grace for every life. Now, Holy Spirit, would you visit every person in this building and every person online would you bring the peace that passes all understanding come on let it go right now right now God let your peace let your peace come over lines right now in Jesus name we didn't come here for a sermon to go home we came here to interact with the Holy Spirit to hear Him and let Him touch us Lord would you let your peace be like a river peace like a river Peace like a river, Lord. Let it go over hearts and lives today. We want to take it to our home, Lord. And when the enemy tells us that it's not going to last, we're going to say again, I put my trust in the Lord. I put my trust in the Lord. I trust you, Lord, for my family. I trust you, Lord, for my finance. I trust you, Lord, for my health. I trust you, Lord, for my calling. I trust you, Lord, for my salvation. I trust you, Lord, for my mind and my emotions. I trust you, Lord, for my relationships. I trust you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.
Father, I pray that the voice of the enemy will be silenced to us. You know, Eve remembered the word of the Lord. She just forgot the nature of the Lord. She put her trust and then let it get obscured. She needed to grab a hold of trust. She'd held that up and said, no, I trust Him. No, if He spoke that to me, it's for my good. You know, that serpent would have slid away into the grass and wow, the world would be a vastly different place. Father, help us this week, today, tomorrow, at work, at uni, at home, wherever we go, to have those moments where we go, I trust You. God, I trust You. while heads are bad, eyes are closed, some of you here in this place may never have trusted Jesus with your life. You might know about God, you might know a bit about the Bible or about church life or whatever, but you don't, have you never said to Jesus, I'm going to trust you with my future. Online, I'm speaking to you as well. And I want to help you today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, then I want you to say this prayer. Make it yours. Just say wherever you are, Online, say with us, no matter who's there in the room with you. Say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I choose to trust you with my life, with my future. I know that you want the best for me. And I'm going to follow you as you come into my life. Thank you for dying for me. Amen. 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 Now, if you prayed that prayer, you made it yours. Here's what I'd love you to do. Up there on the screen is the number you can, if you're in Australia, you can send just the letters, why yes, yes, I prayed yes. I said yes to Jesus, just why yes. 0488-826-392. If you're outside of Australia or you want to get our help, and I've got to say this every single time, we won't pester you, we won't spam you, we won't do anything else except send you every day once you give us your yes, we'll send you a Bible verse and a prayer, different every day. We'll send it for 30 days, that's all it is. If you don't want to move on from there, that's your choice. If you want to move on, we've got another year and a half worth of these many things that'll help grow your life and faith with God. And so if you want to get that in Australia, 0488 if you're outside Australia or email's better for you, then why don't you go to yes.metrochurch.com .org.au. Of course, if you're on the metrochurch.online platform, there's a yes button there for you as well. And God bless you. As you say, yes, people do every week. I know people did last week. I'm sure people will again today in Jesus' name. Well, listen, time's well and truly gone away. But we had so much fun celebrating Sam and Ruby. And uh, make sure you go up there and congratulate the rings on the finger. Yes, yes, that's it. And uh, make sure you go and congratulate Kath, Kath and, uh, and Sebastian and Penelope all the way from South Africa. Hey, uh, Shape is starting in just a minute with Pastor Bruce and of course Ray, Pastor Ray's online. For those there that are wanting ministry online, Pastor Kate, she'll be out there in the prayer space if you want prayer. But I want to say God bless you. Hope you're a part of Metro Life tonight. It is a cracker of a story. That's all I'm going to say tonight. Amen.
My story. Is that what I said? Yeah, good. God bless. See you somewhere soon. Thanks. 